All right, guys, so we're in starting this brand new series tonight that we're calling Walking Wisely. And uh, we'll be in the series for a while, for the rest of this semester. We'll be looking at different um, things that Paul tells us in his letters that he writes to different churches. And um, I believe that this is such an important topic to talk about. It's this whole topic of wisdom and how to walk in wisdom. Because here's the deal. Life is all about decision-making. Like you will spend the rest of your life making decisions. Some of you, well, all of you, made decisions today. You made a decision to come to surge. You made a decision, whatever, fill in the blank. You guys made decisions. So you'll spend the rest of your life making decisions. And here's what I know about teenagers, because I was one. Sometimes we make stupid decisions. Um, let me share a few of these with you. Um, here, um, there's a teenager, and oh, I then forgot where this was. But he thought it would be really cool to take a selfie with a squirrel. And this is what he said. He explained, when I got close enough, the squirrel will actually try to grab my phone. I shook it off and then snapped this photo. Then the squirrel snapped. The camera's flash apparently scared the squirrel. And the next thing I knew, the squirrel was on my shoulder, then under my shirt, then hanging off my back. This photo is courtesy of my mom, who collapsed laughing shortly after. Okay? That's one example. Here's one. Teenagers gets two, that's right, two tattoos of McDonald's receipts on his arm. Um, here's one. A teen causes a multi-car accident when he faints from holding his breath while driving through a tunnel in Portland, Oregon. Now, here's one on a little more serious note. An 18-year-old boy in Georgia drowns after he is tied to a shopping cart and pushed into a lake while horsing around with his friends after high school graduation. If that sounds like boys, I mean, <laughs> I didn't do anything that dumb, but I've done some pretty dumb things. Like, I remember as a teenager, some of your ages, um, I thought it would be a cool idea to buy this full-body gorilla suit. And guys, let me tell you, I had a lot of fun with this thing for many years. And one of the coolest things I've ever done with this gorilla suit, I mean, toe, I mean, feet, hands, everything, right? Is I would kind of stand on these back country roads at night in North Carolina. Now, I wouldn't get in the road, but I would just kind of stand beside the road so that when cars pass by, they would see what looks like a gorilla. Luckily, I was never shot. I did try to scare my brother once who had um, two Alaskan Malamutes. And um, I was, had my full body gorilla suit on. I was about to go into his house. The dog saw me. I don't know if you know what a Malamute. These are really big dogs. They're kind of kin to the wolf. And um, guys, let me tell you, the dog almost attacked me. I took the mask off really fast. Let him know that I'm legit and not a real gorilla. So anyway, we, don't, we do dumb things, right? Every single one of you guys have done stupid things in your life. So we will spend the rest of our life making decisions and we don't know what hangs in the balance of our decisions. We cannot accurately predict the outcomes, but we do know that our, de our decisions determine the direction and the quality of our life. 
So your peers, maybe even some of you, teenagers, they smoke, they, they vape, they drink, they do drugs, they have unprotected sex, they ride with people who have been drinking too much, and they do these things not because they think they're invulnerable or haven't thought about the risk, but studies show or say that you do these things because you weigh the pros and cons and you decide the benefits. An immediate gratification or this peer acceptance outweighs the risk of whatever decision that you're faced with. So even, check this out, even our response, our responses can be a decision or is, is, a, is a decision, right? We decide how to respond, how we respond to a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister or, or a friend or a boyfriend or girlfriend, how we respond to people is a decision. And our hope and prayer is that you will make a wise decision. Not for our sake, but for your own sake, because we believe that our decisions will determine the direction and the quality of our lives. So I've lived long enough to know that this right here, that a response creates a better path forward than a reaction. Okay, think about this. I don't know about you, but I've rarely had to, re- to apologize for a response to someone. But I almost always have to apologize for a reaction to someone. A reaction generally makes a bad situation worse. So how we respond to people is a decision. So your decisions determine the story of your life. Think about that. Your decisions determine the story of your life. And the good news is this, that if you don't like your current story... If you don't like the current chapter of your story, if you don't like the current direction that your story is heading into, you can change that. You have the opportunity to decide your life in a different direction. You can decide a better story. So now, every time you make a decision, every time we make a decision, we unconsciously ask a series of questions. Questions like, Will I enjoy this? Who will be there? Have you guys ever asked that question? Mm-hmm. Will this be fun? Will this hurt me? Will this hurt somebody else? Will anyone find out? What's my out if somebody else finds out? So the point is this. We already have a decision-making template, a grid that we use when we make decisions. But what if we asked better questions to help us make better decisions? So before we get into that, I want to teach you a verse or share a verse with you. This is found in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12. And it says this, it says, a prudent sees danger and hides himself. Now we don't use this word very often, right? What is a prudence? Well, a prudence is someone that is wise or advisable, okay? So these people live as if today's decisions determine tomorrow's options or tomorrow's outcomes, that, that today's decisions determine tomorrow's relationships. So the prudent, they see the danger coming up. They see the danger, and when they see danger, they hide, or different translations says, says they take refuge. They avoid it. 
When they realize that something up the road is dangerous and has the, has the potential to rob them of what is right, of a, of a, of a preferred future, they respond appropriately. Now, the prudent, they don't decide based on what is right in front of them. The prudent decides based, decides based on, on where they eventually want to be, where they want to be relationally, and where they want to be financially, and where they want to be physically, and, and even spiritually or academically. So the prudent sees a danger, and they take refuge. They hide from it. But the rest of that verse says this, but the simple, they go on. And they suffer for it. So here's a contrast. This is the simple. This is the simple-minded, the the naive, the people who believe almost anything. The simple, they don't think about it. These are the fools. They don't think about it. So the simple, they take refuge. They hide. But this text says that, sorry, the prudent, they take refuge. They hide. But the simple don't take refuge. They just keep going, what what this verse says. They keep going. Sorry, let me go back to that verse. They keep going. And as a result, they suffer for it. So if you will slow down when you're faced with crazy decisions in your life and ask some good questions, it will help you see the danger that is coming and hopefully will help you not to regret and suffer consequences from your decision. So let's be prudent. Let's be wise, advisable. Let's make better decisions because our decisions determine the direction and the quality of our life. So what I want to do now is invite one of our leaders up here, Amber. She's going to come up and she's going to share part of her story with you guys. Can you welcome Amber? So, January of my sophomore year, I made a choice with no thought or wisdom behind it. My home life was pretty toxic. There was emotional and verbal abuse. Um, There was also some neglect. The easiest way for me to escape that life was work, school, my best friend, or just to numb everything. I was already drinking by this time, already smoking weed. One afternoon in my sixth hour class, psychology of all things, this girl that I kind of knew was sitting by me, and she just asked me if I wanted to get high. Numbing was so normal for me at this time that I just said, yeah, I didn't even think about it. She just knew me from, like, the outsider circle at school. You know the kids that just don't fit in and spend their free time doing things that they probably shouldn't be. Anyway, she gave me some over-the-counter just cold medicine and told me that if I took enough, it would do the trick. And nobody would know. I wasn't breaking any rules. I wasn't smoking on campus. I wasn't, you know, drinking. It would be fine. This is where I should have taken even five seconds to think about it. I mean, how much is enough? 
how much is too much? How will this medication that I have never taken before affect me? Instead, I went to the bathroom and took the pills. I don't remember the last class of that day. I don't remember how I got to my friend's house from school. I didn't have a car, (laughs) so I just ended up somewhere, I guess. Anyway, pretty quickly, my friends could tell that I was overdosing on something. But nobody knew what, because I didn't have a box, and I didn't have the frame of mind to tell them what I had taken. Honestly, I don't even know if I knew what I had taken. So I got rushed to the emergency room where they pumped my stomach, and my mother was called. Needless to say, that evening was not a fun one for me, at the hospital or at home. Within a couple days, the school notified my mom that they were made aware of the situation, and they knew that I had taken the pills on campus. I was expelled from school for the rest of the semester and banned from the school property and anything and everything school-related. I had banned myself from one of the few safe places for me. I had banned myself from the one adult, a teacher at the school, who cared about me as a person and not what I could achieve or what I could do. But the scariest thing of all is that if I had not had friends who cared about me, I can't honestly tell you that I would have lived. For me, it's just one example of God being in my life and knowing me before I even knew he existed. Thank you. So here's the thing, like Amber's story is some of your story, like some of you can relate to that. And I love what she said that if I would have taken five seconds to even think about it, to think about what the outcome of this, 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 this decision could lead to. So there's this line that, that we like to play with. And it's our human nature to live as close to this line as possible. So what is this line that we're talking about? Well, it's the line between legal and illegal, between responsible and irresponsible, between moral and immoral, between ethical and unethical. We like to snuggle to up to this line as long as possible without getting grounded or without getting expelled or without being embarrassed or without getting caught. And here's the assumptions that we make. Here's the assumptions that we make. Well, if it's not wrong, then it's all right. Or if it's not illegal, then it's permissible. If it's not immoral, then it's, it's acceptable. Or if it's not over the line, then it's fine. Now, the bar is set pretty low if, if these are your assumptions. And essentially, what we're asking is, how low can I go? How bad can I get without actually being bad? 
How, how close to wrong can I get without actually doing something wrong? Or how close to sin can I get without actually sinning? And the 21 years that I've been in ministry, I've been asked this one question probably more than any other question in my life. And it's the question is, how far is too far? Tim, I'm dating this girl. So how far is too far? How far is too far with her? Essentially what you're asking is this. If this is the line right here, you're asking, how close can I get to this line without having sex? Right? And if I were to tell you that, what would you do? You would dangle over this line as much as you can, not knowing the danger that's right behind it. So we like to snuggle up to this line and just hang out there. And it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Pretty soon we're asking, how far over the line can I go without actually getting caught or, or experiencing the consequences? How unethical or how immoral can I be? How insensitive can I be? How much can I neglect my health without feeling the effects? How much can I indulge in this addictive behavior without actually being addicted? How far can I go with my boyfriend or girlfriend without having sex? These questions are slippery and they're very dangerous. And honestly, they're the wrong questions to be asking. We shouldn't be asking Is there anything wrong with this? Because here's what happens. If you ask this question, it always leads to this question. How did I get myself into this mess? So we're asking the wrong questions. The foolish, the dangerous. This is a dangerous, dangerous way to live your life. And there's a better question that needs to be asked. And if you get into the habit of asking this better question, you will avoid regrets in your life. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you're faced with a decision that may determine the direction of your life, the circumstances of your life? What do you do? So let me share with you a question. A question that if you ask this question, it will help you avoid regrets in your life. And the question is simply this, what is the wise thing for me to do? What is the wise thing to do? Now, warning, if you ask this question and you truly answer this question, you're not going to like it. Like you're going to hate this question because if you truly answer this question, it's going to eliminate most of your options. But if you will simply ask, then answer this question honestly and then act on that. And take it seriously. It will eliminate so many unnecessary regrets in your life. So we make a decision of any consequence. What if you pause and ask, what is the wise thing for me to do in this situation? Listen, the option You're considering it may be legal, but is it wise? It may be acceptable or permissible, but is it wise? 
Now, this is important to understand. A decision can be both not wrong and unwise at the same time. Like pulling your, putting your friend in a trash can and rolling him down the street. That's not illegal, right? Right, guys? Is it wise? No. Like playing hide-and-go-seek and hiding on the top story of your two, two-story house. That's not immoral. But is it wise? No, probably not. I would dare say that our greatest regrets, think back to maybe a regret that you had, maybe your greatest regrets, it was probably preceded by a series of unwise decisions. I know my greatest regret in life. And now it's not the time for me to share that with you. But as I look back on my greatest regrets, oh my gosh, there was a series of just unwise decisions that I made that led to that moment of regrets in my life. So we're asking for you to ask the simple question is, what is the wise thing for me to do? Now, the Apostle Paul, he spelled this out for us in the letter that he wrote to the church in Ephesus. We call it the book of Ephesians. And um, here's what he writes. And he goes on and he, he hits the, the tension of this issue right to the heart. He says this. He says, look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. So this is where this premise of the series comes, comes from, walking wisely. It comes from this one verse here. How do we walk in wisdom? And we can see that this has been an issue since the first century, 2,000 years ago. Paul was writing to the church saying, guys, be careful. And you can kind of feel the urgency that Paul was writing this with. Look carefully how you're walking. And I read this. Like I think of my backyard because I have a dog. And she goes to the backyard to do her business. And when I go to the backyard, what am I doing? Am I just walking carelessly? No, I'm walking carefully because I don't want to step in the poop that my dog does. When I tell the kids if they're outside playing, what do I say? Be careful. Watch where you're stepping. So he says, be careful how you walk, how you live your life. Not as the unwise, not as the fools, but as wise. So the Apostle Paul comes up and says, stop it. Stop this nonsense. I want you to be careful how you live. Don't be careless. And this is the grid that we use for every invitation and every opportunity that comes our way. And then Paul continues with a little bit more explanation. He says, making the best use of your time. I wish I could go back in time. And reclaim or redeem all the time that I've wasted on bad decisions. But you can avoid it. You can. You can decide today to make better decisions that will affect your future. I wish I could go back in time and invest my time in decisions differently. And as painful as that is to think about of what could be, it's necessary to understand to truly understand the invitation that Paul has given us here. Because here's what he's doing. Paul isn't inviting you. He is inviting us to invest our time wisely from this day forward. 
you're invited to make the most of your most valuable asset, which is your time. And then he goes on, he says, because the days are evil. Paul has given us this warning, which, by the way, no one else does this. Like the culture that you and I live in, they don't give us a warning. They don't give us a warning about how the decisions that we're going to make will affect us. This is on us. We aren't going to get this from our, get help from culture. The friends around us, maybe, maybe not. But not culture for sure. What does culture tell us? Culture tells us to do it now. Culture tells us to do it and then think about it later. Culture tells us that it will, it will take away your feelings. It will take away those, that emptiness inside of you that you're feeling. To not worry about that line of integrity because cheating on a test will help you get into a better college. It will help your future. That oral sex, it's not real sex. It's okay, do it. That pornography, that will help you not to have sex. So look at pornography. That's what culture tells you. And guys, let me tell you, that is a lie. Culture will lie to you. Culture doesn't have your best interests. <clears throat> Andy Stanley, he wrote a book called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And this is what he says. He says, in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? And that might be a better question to ask. A lot of my past, like you need to pay attention to what got you in trouble in the past and change that behavior. If you keep getting in trouble for the same thing, Scripture calls you a fool. So our decisions, they have the power to determine the direction and the quality of our life. And we want you to have a better future, a preferred future. And that's why this series that we're doing is so important. So this is what we're going to do. I have a couple of questions that we're going to throw up on the screen. It's on the back of your handout. And we'll take a couple minutes for you to reflect. There'll be some music playing as you just kind of reflect on these questions. These are some of the questions that your small group leader will kind of talk about in just a few minutes. But the question is this. Do you have any regrets? And what decisions led to those regrets? And then... What do you want your future to look like? How does that dream affect how you will make decisions now? Okay, so think about these questions. Just spend a couple of seconds thinking about it. And then we'll pray and be dismissed.